Minutes of the Sci Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. There's some national treasures like Billy Graham, and one other comes to mind, Johnny Erickson Tata. And she is our special guest right now. Um, we're going to learn everything about her, hopefully things that you've never even known about her. And welcome to the program. Good to be with you, Michael, and of course, all of our friends listening over the Messiah Network. Thanks for letting me share my story. Oh, we are so happy to have you. And so, you know, the first thing I want to say is that you come across as like the strongest lady. Uh, we know that the Lord has given you a lot of strength, but you also seem to like to have fun, too. What kind of things do you do for fun that we don't know about? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an interesting question right off. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, my husband and I are big USC fans. We love uh, University of Southern California. We love college football. We love college basketball. Um, I always love to tune into the TV during March Madness. And so, you know what? We're just good college fans. That's, that's what we do to have fun. And we, we really, really are, are uh, break out the pom-poms, get out the <laughs> you know, orange and red colors, wear the right T-shirt, the whole deal. Go team. <laughs> that's right. Now, I understand, too, though, are you a tennis fan as well? Well, you know, when I was on my feet, before I broke my neck, um, I loved to play tennis. And the reason I did is because my mother was quite the tennis star. Even at the age of 80, she was uh, she was involved in all kinds of senior uh, tournaments. In fact, bless her heart, my mother uh, uh, broke her shoulder going for a backhand wow. on the tennis court at the age of 84. No kidding. That's Amazing! What an amazing <laughs> woman she was. And you know, when I whenever I watch tennis, and I don't get a chance to watch it quite as much as I would like to now, but I always think of my mom and uh, how she inspired me to to work hard, be you know, be persevering, endure the hardships, sweat when you need to, and uh, get the job done. My mother was quite the athlete, and I kind of followed in her footsteps. Yeah. Some people, you know, are, are one-trick ponies, if you will, where they, where they focus on one area for the most part. You, you're not that person. You, you can do just about everything by God's grace as an artist and your foundation. And do you find, is it easy for you to, to balance all these different things? Well, you know, I wish I did have more time to, to, to paint at my art easel. Uh, again, for our listeners, I broke my neck at, in a diving accident many years ago. In fact, 50 years ago. And I was a bit of a doodler uh, in high school. My father was a uh, an artist. Uh, he did it as for a hobby. And in occupational therapy, I learned how to how to paint and draw, hold brushes and uh, pastel pencils between my teeth. So I wish I had more time now to get at my art easel like I used to. Um, but I still like to sing. In fact, uh, right before we went on the air here for the podcast, um, I was telling you, Michael, that I wheeled out the front door this morning singing oh what a beautiful morning oh what a beautiful day and can we sing me, that together it would be a, an honor sure i've got a beautiful, beautiful feeling everything's, everything's going, going my god's way. way god's way that's I was, right i always intersect god's <laughs> way there anyway, i love to sing because for me singing uh, when I wake up in chronic pain when I wake up to the non-stop 24-7 day-to-day routines of a bed bath uh, having people do my toileting routines uh, brush my teeth wash my hair cinch on my corset get me dressed bed bath me get me into a wheelchair push me out the front door sometimes Michael I'm overwhelmed before the day has begun 
And so for me, singing is great therapy. So I always choose a hymn um, or perhaps a song just like that. Um, the other day it was zippity doo da, you know, heading out the front door. <laughs> because I, I just have to do that kind of thing. I have to sing to get my heart in tune with a brighter perspective than sometimes what my disability and chronic pain affords me. So it's the way to go. Sing it, a song. It sure is. And see, now that's the thing about your ministry all these years is the fact that you've given a voice to people, not just who have disabilities, but people who can't articulate what it's like to go through the mire or go through pain or depression or anger. And so, you know, when you watch the many interviews that you've done over the years, uh, you give people that voice. And these are I'm just going to say messy areas that people are not comfortable in articulating. You do it with such grace, though. Are, are you amazed just to how broken we really are? People aren't really you, – you make it easier for them to talk about it. Well, it seems that everybody nowadays is searching for hope. I mean, there's so much brokenness in the world, just like you said. There's so much despair, um, even with my own quadriplegia, so much about it, especially in the early days of learning how to live in my wheelchair. So much of it felt – you know, utterly devoid of hope. Um, and, and as a young quadriplegic Michael, many years ago, I wanted to, well, I wanted to feel something. I wanted to feel hopeful. I wanted hope, biblical mm. hope, to dwell not just in my head, you know, just a matter of knowing something to be true. No, I wanted it to dwell in my heart. And so uh, over the years, I've come to see that a, that a Christian's hope is the assurance that in the end, everything's going to be okay. Yes. That's the kind of hope that can live not just in your head, but in your heart. But here's the catch. You know, hope like that is not based on your life getting better, or your pain going away, or you know, your, your, your circumstances improving. No, Christian hope is based on the blessed hope. That's Jesus. Um, he's our blessed hope, and I think the Bible calls him that because... In the end, Jesus is the only one who's going to one day close the curtain on hardship and chronic pain, dry our tears, do away with heartaches, um, hardships, and that is when everything's going to be okay. I can hold on. I can, I can look forward to that. I can wait for that. And until then, um, I just want people to understand that life is hard. God has wired it to be difficult. But even the Bible says these things happen that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Yes. So, you know, we wake up in the morning and life is not pleasant. It is hard. It is broken. It is painful as it is for me. But these are the very things that push us into the arms of God. Oh, Jesus, I can't do life help me please and, and that's a great attitude to wake up with it sure is and you know you've been an inspiration to so many people and who do you turn to a lot i mean you turn to the lord jesus are there people though that um because they're, they're people who are really counting on your words on your on your radio broadcast on uh your your as an author but who do you turn to well um i i have a private facebook page called johnny's pain pals and there are about 35 people on that page um, most of them I've never met, Michael. I've never met them, but their stories have moved me deeply. They are women who are bedridden, and when I say bedridden, I mean they've been so for years. They are men who live with degenerative disc disease and uh, you know, 14 back surgeries. They are people who, um, who suffer with all sorts of strange autoimmune disorders, and they love God. They wake up in the morning. And they don't let their 
disabilities and hardships push them back, they let those disabilities and hardships push them forward into the arms of Christ. And I go on that pain pal page and I draw so much inspiration from the quotations they share, from the essays they'll post by Spurgeon or John Piper or D.L. Moody. They're looking on the bright side. And I'm honest enough and they are honest enough on any given day to post, I'm having a rotten day. I feel, I feel like throwing in the towel emotionally. Would someone out there please pray for me? Any one of you 35, would you pray for me? And it's great to have that kind of transparency and vulnerability where you can share your heartaches, hardships, prayer requests, and others can share theirs as well. And, and that's where I get the inspiration. It's just Christian fellowship. It's just being forthright and honest with other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that you need help. I can't do life without your help. Both yeah. For the Lord and for and for and for others who know Him. So, these are the people who inspire me. Well, Amen. Because you have a legion of fans and you know people who are just either brothers and sisters in Christ, but you're able to relate to them in a way that nobody else can. And so, uh, you know, through through the brokenness, that's what's leading people coming together and sometimes let's be honest we all put our church face on sometimes but it's really you're very transparent very forthright about again what brokenness is which we could all relate and um, i want to ask you too how do you relate when you know people who i guess are are ignorant and they say just like the disciples oh whose sin was it that where they were in a in a situation or uh in a wheelchair or so or so forth and how do you interpret when you hear so the glory of God can be seen in them. If anybody knows, and we see the grace of God in you, the grace of Jesus, but how do you interpret that about that? So the glory of God can be seen in people who, who have some of these disabilities. Well, um, Michael, uh, God created us for one purpose, and that's to showcase his glory, to enjoy it, display it, demonstrate it. And um, like I said, dealing with chronic pain, living as a quadriplegic, I've learned firsthand the importance of glorifying God through tough situations. You know, that's when God's glory shines. Um, it's, it's when people expect you to be sour or peevish. People expect you to have a complaining spirit because that's human. That's what everybody does. But when you say to your inner self, no, I'm not going to choose selfishness. I'm going to choose grace. So God, help me. Give me your strength. I can't I can't do what's set before me. I can do this if you give me strength. So I'm going to smile today, not in spite of the problems, but because of them. Because you will give strength and power and the energy to move forward with a smile. And then people look at you, the skeptics and the cynics, and they look at you and they see you maintaining a positive perspective on your hardships. And they think to themselves, wow. How great her God must be to inspire that mm -hmm. kind of loyalty. And, and, and that's what it means to glorify God. It is to say no to complaining and yes to daily following God down the difficult path. And we all do that every day. We have opportunities, countless choices to make every day. And God yes. is simply saying, choose me, choose me, and I will give you the grace to endure. You know, I was watching in preparation some of the interviews that you've done, and one was with Larry King, and I felt I felt that you were there to witness to him about uh, he was curious uh, about Jesus, and uh, did you get that sense? Oh yeah, I think uh, Larry King 
um, he is a spiritually um, interested kind of a guy. Mm -hmm. And I notice other followers of Jesus that he has interviewed. He's, he's always been very curious about that. Maybe it's his Jewish background. I don't know. But he is a skilled individual who's intelligent. And I really think he was trying to, you know, look deep into my heart. And what makes you tick? Mm. Why do you smile in that wheelchair? What, what is it that makes you do that? And I, I really believe that he's sincerely interested. I don't know if he has pursued that and found uh, to embrace Christ as his Messiah. I have no idea. But I know that along the way, he has certainly... Had many people sow gospel seed into his heart. I agree. And what are some of the things that people don't ask about you? No doubt you've done like hundreds, maybe thousands and thousands of interviews. But are you surprised sometimes the interviewer doesn't go in certain areas to ask you certain questions? And if they could, what kind of questions would they ask? Well, these are great questions. Um, well, the way we started off, right at the top. What do you do to have fun? I love that question. What a great question. All right. Yeah. You know, pe people don't often ask me about my favorite memories on my feet. I've never been really questioned about what was life like when I was on my feet. And I've got so many wonderful memories of uh, days when I was on my feet camping with my family. In fact, just, just, the, just last weekend, I, I went to the... Um, the, the fish counter at our supermarket and I saw some cherry stone clams and I said to the fishmonger behind the behind the counter I said sir when I was a little girl I would go beach camping with my mother and we go clamming during the day in the Delaware Bay and then we would take these clams we had found and we put them on the burning logs of our coal fire at night and and they would sizzle and pop open and we sprinkle a little salt and butter on them, and they tasted so good. Sir, do you think I could do that if I grilled them on my barbecue grill? And he gave me a blank look and said, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to try it anyway. So I purchased myself a whole bunch of clams, and my friends and I, we uh, barbecued clams on the grill. And the next day, I wheeled back uh, to my supermarket, and I wheeled up to the same fishmonger. I said, sir, I want you, I said, you remember me? He said, oh, yes, I do. You're the, you're the girl who wants to grill clams. And I said, well, you can tell any customer who has the question that it works. You can get a really good, tasty grilled clam <laughs> good for you. on any barbecue. And, you know, it's just, it's fun. I don't know. It, it's, it's fun recounting memories of what it was like on my feet when I would go camping with my mom and dad and my sisters. And we'd sit around the fire at night and sing, sing songs and tell stories and, and put clams on the burning logs and watch them pop open. And hmm. oh, those are the best of memories. And Absolutely. No, nobody really asked me much about what it was like when I was in my feet. Maybe they're, maybe they're afraid that, you know, that'll make me feel sad. But instead of sadness, I think the best of your memories should help you look forward. Hmm. Like, wow, if we think it was great back then when we were a kid, what's it going to be like in heaven? Hmm. Absolutely. Because the best of this world will be. I think, recalled and remembered and rejoiced of over when we get to heaven. Yes, and just a, an idea, okay, a little marketing idea. You can write a book of you know reaching non-believers, and it could be labeled The Fishmonger. Huh. And how you kind of... <laughs> Right. Why not? You know, kind of like a dialogue with the with the fish guy behind the counter and and kind of chiseling away at his unbelief. I don't know, just just a thought. But absolutely, and we have, I've become friends with that guy. He knows me, and now I know him. 
Let's talk about your husband a little bit because he's behind the scenes and you see his devotion and his love for you. But how do you provide strength for him and how does he provide strength for you? Well, you know, if my husband were sitting here with us right now, he would say, you know, I, I am, I am Ken's biggest cheerleader. He, he would tell you that of all the people he would want in his foxhole, he would want me. Because although I cannot iron his shirts or fold his laundry, although I cannot uh, fluff his pillow or rub his back or whip up an omelet at, you know, uh, 11, 11 o'clock at night, I, even though I can't do those things for him, he knows I pray for him. He knows I encourage him. He knows that I'm his biggest cheerleader. I applaud him. I affirm him. I build him up in the places that should be built up. And I carefully point out those things that I think he can he can change. But I do so with respect and with love for this man. Hmm. And I think he sees me as his best friend. Oh, my goodness. What a joy to be married to your best friend. Yes. It's incredible. And so um, I pray for my husband. That is my number one uh, vocational responsibility as his wife. I defend his reputation. I affirm his Christ-like characteristics, and I, I think he would just tell me that, that he would want me in his foxhole, that I would certainly have his back in the battle, which I do. Amen. Amen, because people don't talk about him enough. I, that's what I think, you know, in these interviews, and yet, you know, it's, he's, a, he's a pillar for you and also you for him. Are you surprised more questions don't come that way? Well, you know, a lot of people are very curious about Ken Tata because we wrote a book, oh, I guess four, four, four years ago, called Johnny and Ken, An Untold Love Story. And uh, it's done very well. And I tell you what, Michael, the book is less about me and more about my husband. It's about how he has handled this significant disability in our marriage and how difficult it was for him. He was depressed for many years. He was discouraged, and you know I felt slighted and somewhat resentful. Um, and so it is the journey of how we both came out of depression for him and resentment for me, how we eventually came out of all of that to truly appreciate and encourage and defend each other on a level that we never would have imagined when we stood at the altar uh, and said, I do, 35 years ago. So if friends listening want to learn more about my husband, and he's a really great guy, <laughs> then um, they can pick up uh, that book called Johnny and Ken, An Untold Love Story. And hey, write my husband a note of encouragement here at our ministry. I know he would love to hear from some of our friends listening. Yeah. Now, you've been, it's 50 years on your website, 50 years celebrating, um, I want to say in a wheelchair as far as, I mean, that's your, it's kind of like your pulpit, if you want to say it like that, in, in so many, that's, you reach so many people who have disabilities, but you reach everybody, quite frankly. But it's been 50 years. Is that hard to believe? Oh, my goodness, yes. And and in fact, um, I was just on the way to our headquarters at Johnny and Friends this morning as we were driving here down the 101 freeway. I was recounting to my friend who was driving, I cannot believe how healthy I am. Yes. I can't believe that I have the opportunities I do. I am so blessed. I think I am the most blessed quadriplegic in the world. Yes. And, and Michael, what that makes me want to do 
is squeeze every ounce of ministry effort that I possibly mm. can out of this quadriplegic body to make it easier for other people with disabilities around the world um, in, in, their, in their circumstances. And so we deliver thousands and thousands of wheelchairs around the world. And we give Bibles. We do disability ministry training in places where they still think cerebral palsy is a curse from a witch doctor. We hold retreats, 50 of them this summer, retreats for special needs families here in the United States and in developing nations. I want to do everything I can to make life better for them because, well, it's a little like what... Um, happened to Abraham when God blessed him. Mm -hmm. He said, now, now go be a blessing to the nations. So when any of us, any of us have been blessed, and I think all our listeners would say in some way we have experienced God's blessings, never hoard them, never keep them to yourself, never press them against your chest. No, like a hot potato, get it off your lap, pass it on to somebody else quick, because when we hoard our blessings, they only ruin and rot our soul. And so pass on the blessing quickly to others if God has blessed you. Is that still a problem as far as this uh, church's sensitivity to people with uh, disabilities? Is that something that you'd still like to see changed or modified a bit? Well, my motto has always been, Lord Jesus, I want to invest my life in helping to ch change the landscape of the American church. Because so many of us in America, we're so enamored with the biggest, the brightest, mm. the most beautiful you know, we, we, we just are, we think power is where uh, change happens, but that's not biblical. If change is going to be truly life-transforming, it'll be done through weakness. We're told in Second Corinthians that God's power shows up best in weakness. And so I want the American church to understand that, that weakness is something to be celebrated. People with disabilities and their families are not those who are to be shoved aside in some separated, segregated department in the congregation. No, they're to be integrated and welcomed and brought into the fold of Christ's fellowship. The Bible says that these people are, quote, indispensable to the body of Christ. You know, sometimes, real quickly, um, oh, I've got this great story. Can I tell it fast? Of course. Take your time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I had a friend who was in the hospital recently, well, not recently, it was some time ago. Her name was Charlene, and uh, she had to be bed-bathed, and she had to be toileted, and um, it was very humiliating for her. She had to be fed, and when she got out of the hospital, she said to me, Johnny, I don't know how you stand it. I don't know how you can do it. You know, I, I, I can't live like that, she said. And I started laughing because my friend Charlene is deaf and blind. Mm. And I said, Charlene, uh, I, I don't see how I could possibly live like you with blindness and deafness. But, Michael, people like Charlene and I prove every day that individuals can live without their hearing. We can live without our sight. We can live without walking or using our hands. But what we can't live without are the parts of the body which are hidden and uncomely, ones that we often neglect and ignore, and that is the pancreas, the heart, and the lungs. Mm. And, and sometimes when I think of people with disabilities in the church, I think of them as the pancreatic people. You know, these are the lung <laughs> kind of ladies. These are, these are kidney kinds of guys. You know, they, they might be uncomely. We might not like to talk about these parts of the body. We often ignore them and sometimes neglect them and abuse them. But nevertheless, they are absolutely critical to the life of the body. And I think people with disabilities in the same way are critical to the life of 
the body of Christ because these people give the rest of us an opportunity to serve and to serve sacrificially. And we get to celebrate not only our strengths, but we celebrate our weaknesses. And that's what I would like to see in the church all across America. Slowly, we're beginning to see some changes. There's some really wonderful churches who have gotten involved in mercy ministry to make a difference in the well-being of special needs families, and I applaud them. And I think other churches are beginning to get their drift. I really do. I'm beginning to sense a change, a, a slow change in the landscape of the American church. Johnny, are you surprised that when you think about people, I mean, who can walk and just regular kind of living, that you're actually freer than they are? I mean, do you ever think of yourself kind of like the Apostle Paul, where even though he was in chains, that he was preaching the gospel, which you know, sets people free? Um, it seems almost like you're freer than a lot of people, not confined. I mean, do you feel that way? Like, is it ironic to you that you could set people free with not only with the gospel, but also your, your wonderful testimony and way of living, even though you're in a wheelchair and they are not, but you're freer than they are? Well, I do feel free, I must confess. And I think perhaps the really handicapped people are the ones who, when they wake up in the morning, they jump out of bed, take a quick shower, scarf down breakfast, and race out the door on automatic cruise control. And, and God says in James chapter 4, verse 6, that he resists the proud. Hmm. And the proud are people who simply rush through life without even being aware of their utter dependence on God moment by moment. Those are the really handicapped people. But the ones who are free are the ones who, when they wake up in the morning, they acknowledge their need of Jesus. Hmm. You know, they need them every, not just every hour, they need them every minute. And they go through their day constantly praying without ceasing, Lord, help me. I need you. And that's a wonderful, that's a biblical, that's a Christian way to live. So, yes, I am free because God has helped me break free of myself because of this disability, because of this, quote, weakness. And I guess I'm just proof positive that God's power will always be best displayed, most brilliantly displayed, in those people who celebrate their weakness. They don't boast in themselves, they boast in the Lord, and in His power to sustain. And um, I'm just grateful that this wheelchair has given me that kind of message to, to all the people that I've encountered these 50 years in my chair. I mean, it really has. I mean, you've reached so many different people all across the world. And, of course, people know you, but let's give out the website because we want people to go to johnnyandfriends.org. That's johnnyandfriends.org. And if you could just, this is not an obituary, so please, but uh, how would you sum up your life in just a few sentences if you had to just kind of put it all together, all your experiences, everything that you've done in ministry, uh, the hurts, the pains, in just a few sentences, how, how would you sum it up? With ten little words, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Hmm. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that on my tombstone, I think, because it's something that a friend shared with me when I was just getting out of the hospital and still resentful and depressed about my condition. And he said, Johnny, God permits what he hates. And he even hated the cross. He hated the torture and the abuse and the, and the treason and the injustice that led up to the Christ crucifixion. He hated it all, but he did it. He allowed what he hated to permit something that he loved, and that was through Christ's death and resurrection, salvation for the whole world if they would but believe. 
And he said to me, Johnny, the same thing's true for you. God permitted what he hated, a spinal cord injury, to accomplish something that he loved. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. And so, yeah, and so it's a, a rule of thumb for every Christian. I think those ten little words really sum it up beautifully, that God will permit awful things. God permits all sorts of things he does not approve of, but he does so in order to accomplish something that he loves, and that is the advancement of his kingdom and Christ in us, the hope of glory. Wow. wow. Beautifully put. It is. And, you know, we just have just a couple more moments, maybe one or two. But I was going to say that this may sound superficial to say that, but as far as your looks go, you don't really age. It seems like you've maintained your beauty. And I I have to say inside and out. But that's really a gift, too. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you a secret. I drink a lot of water. (laughs) I drink like two liters a day. And before I go to bed, I drink two liters at night. Thankfully, I use an indwelling catheter so I don't have to get up and go to the bathroom. Mm. I just drain into a a bucket uh, during the night. So, you know, I drink a lot of water. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the secret of my good health. But I'm very grateful. Amen. I'm going to start doing that for me. I have this aunt, and she's a, a wonderful artist. But I have to say that even with your teeth, you are better. You are way better. And I mean, it's the truth. People go on your website and, and look at everything you've done. We just appreciate the blessing that you are to everyone, Christians, non-Christians, reaching people for Christ. And it's been an honor to have you on the program. Well, Michael, it's an honor to get to know you over this podcast. And, of course, if any of our friends listening would like to uh, reflect or share some thoughts on what we've talked about, and that website is johnnyandfriends.org, but it's spelled J O N I. A-N-D-F-R-I-N-D-S dot org. Joni. It's kind of Joni and friends, but it's really Johnny and friends. And I'd be foolish not to ask you just to pray for people and, and even people that are on your heart or in general uh, in Christ. If you do that, it would be the best honor ever. Father God, there are friends listening right now who are struggling against depression, against discouragement like me. They're waking up every morning with terrible chronic pain. And it is so demoralizing. I'll be the first one to admit It can be so discouraging. But help us to say no to an uncomplaining spirit and yes to your grace that always sustains. And help us to live lives that are truly exemplary to our neighbors and friends and family members who do not yet know Christ. And for those who might be listening who do not know Jesus, Father, I pray that what Michael and I have talked about today will resonate in their hearts and that they will reach out and embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior, confessing sin, pride, stubbornness, self-centeredness, anything and everything that stands in the way of a fellowship between themselves and the God who made them. Help my friend to do that today, Lord God, to embrace you as Christ and sa- as, as, as Lord and Savior. And in so doing, Lord Jesus, um, set yourself up on the throne of their hearts and give them the power to smile, not, be, not in spite of their problems, but because of them. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. You're one of the strongest ladies that we know in Christ. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, thank you for being on the program. Absolutely. But you know what, Michael? I'm one of the weakest people you know. But my secret is the strength of Jesus. Amen. And a full glass, a couple glasses of water. (laughs) Yeah, right. That'll always help. (laughs) Thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thank you.